Hi, uh, welcome to another episode of Legends of the Spire. Great to have you with us. Uh, Dave here. Um, on the podcast today, we have our youngest ever interviewee with 19-year-old Regan Hutchinson. Now, he was part of the Chesterfield squad for the last two seasons, uh, joining us in the summer of 2019 after a youth career at Sheffield Wednesday and Rotherham. Uh, it was really interesting to have him on as a guest. Um, I've always wanted to speak to someone who's really starting their career, find out what it's like going through a um, kind of youth development and academies uh, in the 21st century, as it differs a lot from maybe a lot of the previous guests we've had on uh, that came through in kind of 70s, 80s, 90s. Um, he is by far the youngest person, like I say, that we've had on before, uh, the oldest being 79-year-old Bob Wilson. And he speaks really well about the game, really confident, which is uh, what you really love to see. Um, he was part of the Chesterfield squad, uh, firstly under John Sheridan, and then under John Pemberton, and latterly under James Rowe. Um, so interesting to see how those characters uh, differed uh, over his time at the club. And also his personalities, uh, the personalities around the squad um, throughout his time with us. Uh, as always, we're on at Spire Legends on Twitter and Legends of the Spire on Facebook, so do get in touch. Uh, but here's the latest episode with Regan Hutchinson. Thanks for joining us. So, no problem. At all. So, are you from Rotherham? Yeah, I'm a Rotherham, Rotherham born. Yeah, Rotherham lad. <laughs> and you were born in 2001. So this yeah. is going to make me feel really old because, <laughs> 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 like, the oldest person we've had on the podcast was Bob Wilson, who was 79, <laughs> and obviously now I got you that's 19. But it'll be really interesting to get like perspective of of football from yeah, yeah, from someone at the start of the career rather than someone that's there. Yeah kind of well past their career so so who were you supporting then growing up not Rotherham surely no not Rotherham no uh massive <laughs> Wednesday fan massive Sheffield Wednesday fan growing up my dad um my dad me and my dad my brother and my granddad on terraces at Ink Cop at Wednesday uh from like six or seven yeah so growing up watching watching Chef Wednesday yeah so so who were your who were your heroes growing up then who were you watching kind of growing uh, up Wednesday like, I love Marcus Tuggy. He used to wear a long sleeve number seven, like a Ronaldo type for Wednesday. Uh, I love Marcus Tuggy. And then a player that, that I can relate to myself, it's kind of a bit how I like to play, Jermaine Johnson. Just like got you out of your seat, got you excited to watch him. Like end product wasn't great, but just taking players on and every time he got it, wanting to run with it and stuff. Yeah, just Jermaine Johnson were just like, I love Jermaine Johnson. So that's who you were in the like playground, were you? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I thought I was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then, so then, how did you end up uh, kind of getting into football more seriously? Then, when when did it take you on? So I was always like, from when I can remember. I know everyone, every football says this, but like from when I can remember, I was kicking a football. Um, and because my dad, like I said, my dad was a massive Sheffield Wednesday fan. I went up for trials at Young Owls, which is a feeder club to. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday Academy essentially so I went up they just did open trials so my dad took me up about six I think five six I always did like little soccer camps for kids and stuff like that but like my first proper taste of like going into a team and stuff I went for open trials at, at Young Gals which is like a feeder for Sheffield Wednesday Academy it's still a Sunday team and they took from there and I like, loved my football from then like every 
every Sunday, and then I'd train on, on a weekday. And I, yeah, I just loved it. And where, where are you playing? Uh, what position are you then? Everyone's always up front, it seems. <laughs> yeah, when you from my school and stuff, you're always striker, wanting to score goals. But I was a centre midfielder at that age. Um, I want as quick. I was, I was a lot different to what I am now. I want as quick. I like to tackle. I always thought I'd be an hard man when I was little and stuff. I loved to tackle, loved passing and running with ball and stuff. And as I got older, like, and I joined Chef Wednesday, so I worked at Chef Wednesday Academy from seven till sixteen. And as I got older, I sh- my game changed com- differently, completely different. And were you always like way better than everyone else, like at school and stuff? Oh yeah, like at school and I, it's not you don't want to be big headed when you say it, but like at school, like I was, yeah, that's just how I was. Like, I was always known as a kid that played football at school, and that's just how everyone saw me. And yeah, in school, like I embraced my football, I love my football for school and stuff, and I was striker scoring goals there. And then you'd go, you'd go from a striker scoring goals, being best player to an academy where everyone else is striker scoring goals. So you've got to adapt at such a young age to not be best player and that, that you're in like the cycle with everyone else. So you, you've got to fit into a new position because you've got to try and adapt your game and stuff like that and to make you into a complete player more than just a player that can run and score loads of goals like you can do for your school. And... How does that all work then? So do your coaches kind of look at you and say, oh, we think you might be a... Yeah, they'll just pick things to see because they, like, the coaches there are very experienced, so they'll just pick on little things to see and little attributes. So it might even be something like your height. So if your height, I think, centre-half or, like, something like that, or they might say a little attribute or a little thing in training, think, we'll just try them here and then try and, like, shoe on you into a, into a position so they can make, get the best out of you, really. And for some kids, it benefits them. But for a lot of kids, they lose, they, they lose their, they, they like what they're good at in a way because maybe they might be like a striker who can score goals, might be put to a centre-half for his eye and then lose his, like, lose his way a little bit. And I've seen that happen to a lot of people. Do you, do you notice then throughout the years kind of players dropping, oh, yeah. disappearing and then other people you yeah. think, he was rubbish a few years ago and then he's suddenly better than you? The amount of players I've seen, seen like that is, is incredible. Like... You, there's, there's, I could name loads of players I've seen like that. Like, I just can't believe it. Like, from what they were to, to, to what they are, it's just it's yeah. so, so weird. And it, and like, I've, I've spoken to a lot of footballers now doing this, and a lot of them obviously face a lot of anxiety throughout a year because they've got constantly got that. When you get into a new year, it's like, great, I've got like five months left of my contract, and I don't know what's happening. Um, yeah. Obviously, when you're in academy, you're not, uh, it's not your profession <laughs> as such. Yeah, yeah. But do you have that same anxiety year on year? Is it like, are they going to keep me on or not? 100%. That's the only thing with academies is it's so serious. Like, and for a kid at that age, like, especially nowadays, it's so serious. You have to be almost a mini professional, even at that age. You have to apply yourself right and stuff like that because... Players are becoming athletes now. There's not as much football as there is athletes. Like, don't get me wrong, you have to know the basics to football and be able to kick a ball. But I feel like to get into an academy, you have to be a complete package and you still have to apply yourself right from a young age. And I found that at like 13, 14, like on a Tuesday, Thursday night, I think I used to train three days a week when I was Wednesday. My fr- friends would be on park and I'd be at uh, Middlewood Road training. And I was missing out on all that as well. So 
there's still that city. I feel like academies, it's, it can be a bit too serious at times, but that's just how cutthroat football is. Like, you've got to be dedicated to it. Do, do you kind of get told that you can't go to the park and play with your mates and stuff like yeah, that? Well, that's your sacrifice. Like, while well, you've got to pick training over going with your mates and stuff like that, and you've got that's just a sacrifice you've got to make because you're training three days a week at, at these academies now. So you have to make sacrifices. And for some kids, like, it's too much. And that's why a lot fall by wayside because you've got to be mentally, you've got to be mentally strong. Yeah. And, and quite, a few, quite a few youngsters now get agents really, really young, don't they? You have, like, an agent when you're, like, seven or something. <laughs> Did you ever have an agent when you were really young? No, I, ne- I, never, I never had an agent when I was young. But it wasn't really coming in at that point. But nowadays, you've got, like you've just said, you've got agents watching under nines football and stuff like that. And that just adds to it because there's so much money in football now. And it's just, it's crazy what's happening. I, can't, I just feel like they should just let kids play, just let kids go and play, let them enjoy the football. Because academies, you're essentially playing for nothing. You play just fixed. When I was at Wednesday, I was playing fixtures. But there was no like point system or anything like that. And my my friends were winning trophies at Sunday League and stuff like that and showing me the trophies and stuff. And I never really got that. So I, I never really got a feel of that. And I was just playing like for to, to benefit myself, essentially. Yeah. Does it kind of kill your enjoyment of the game of your game a, a little bit? Do you feel like you've missed out a bit in, in like it can do, it can do if you like, and it's hard at a young age to see the end goal because you just want to play and enjoy it. But if you switched on a little bit and see the end goal and see like there's a there's a benefit to what you're doing and you're getting top quality training as well, you're getting good gym sessions and things. So you are getting getting a good rubber green, but essentially what you get into football for in the first place when your kid is to enjoy it. So yeah, I do feel a bit like I missed out on that and I missed out on winning trophies and stuff like that. And it does like, it is something where you think, Oh, I'd have loved to have done that as a kid, but I might not have been in the position I'm in now if I did that. Yeah, I suppose it kind of changes around, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get older, you realise like, oh, this it all makes sense now. Like this yeah. is why down route I did. Yeah. And then and then you end up at so that then you ended up moving on to Rotherham. So was that when you were 16 then? Yeah, so I got released from Wednesday at 16, and it, it did kill me a little bit. Um, and I was like. Do I want to play football anymore? But I just had this inside desire. I was just like, I want to prove people wrong and I want to do it. Um, so I, I moved on to Rotherham. Obviously, with being my hometown, I had, I had a few trials here, there and everywhere, but with Rotherham being so close um, and them offering me a scholarship, I thought, I can't really turn it down with being my hometown. And it just had that extra incentive for me. Yeah. And then, so do they have to, do they stick you on loads of like... Uh... Like education as well alongside it. I'm guessing. Yeah, I did my sports coaching as well alongside that. And Rotherham were a massive turning point in me as a player. Because when I were at Wednesday, we're all technical on the ball. And I got to Rotherham and I realised why it was to work off the ball. Like you see how well Rotherham are doing now. And a lot of their work is off the ball. And when I were at Wednesday, like I'd get the ball away and I'd switch off a little bit. Whereas at Rotherham, that's not that's not an option. It's in the DNA of Rotherham. You work hard. I was doing like 1K runs and 2K runs before I even started training at Rotherham because that's how like, they just love it. Like your tackles, your headers, winning the ball. And I saw the art to, to playing football off the ball. And that's what really changed me as a player and the mental side of the game really improved me at Rotherham. Yeah. And then, so who's... I'm kind of interested to hear who your 
like inspirations are or people that have influenced you throughout there must be like teachers or oh, or people like that that have kind yeah. of the right path in so many people that have influenced me in such good way i've had such a good upbringing and stuff like that but the four main people my mum and my dad like i love my mum dad, mom and dad to bits the sacrifices my mum made like at her own time to look after me and to get to clean my clothes, feed me, get me to train and stuff. In her own time when she'd been working and stuff, is that was massive to me. And my dad as well, like me and my dad can sit and talk about football all day and we, and we do still now, like we sit and talk about all the time and like the motivation he's given me and like the constant like taking me to foot, taking me up. Because we used to play Middlesbrough and stuff with Wednesday and stuff and my dad would be like cancelling jobs to take me down to Middlesbrough and like like I said the sacrifice that my parents have made and I'm quite a big personality but I never t I, I never really have that conversation with a woman tell them like how much it means what they've done but I, won't, I definitely would not be sat here today without my mum and dad my granddad love him to be such a good human like a proper good human like down to call I, I love him to be uh, in a massive driver for why I want to make it and why I will make it because of them three like completely it's what pushes me to edge like i want to i want to do this obviously i want to do it for myself and I'd, i'm going to reach top for myself because you won't make it if you don't do it for yourself but them three are what drive me that extra yard because i like what they've done for me and stuff and i just want to make them proud and then my final one like you just touched on there's my head teacher when i was at wednesday you, you had a day off called day release so i went out of school to go and do day release so i got to train all day um and get an insight of what it's like to be a footballer and my teacher said yeah go ahead do it and he proper drove me with football he'd have me in his office talking to me about football making sure i'm enjoying it is he all he can do to to help me out and stuff and yeah, he, he were a massive driver for it. Whereas other ed teachers were not letting the kids go because they were seeing education as more important. But he gave me that freedom and belief in me to go and achieve what I wanted to do. Yeah. Well, it's good to hear that you never had a grumble from your mum and dad when you're like, oh, it's Middlesbrough away on Tuesday. <laughs> That's what I mean. They've been perfect. And like, I couldn't, couldn't have had better parents for it. They've been absolutely brilliant with me. Yeah. So then, did you get released then for for us? Did Rotherham then release you, or did we yeah. sign you off Rotherham? Yeah, I got released at the end of my scholarship. I got released from Rotherham, but I I just knew that what my what my end goal. Like I just knew at that point, like a lot of kids I played with now at Rotherham, I think one might be still playing, one or two might be still playing. The rest of they're not playing now. And that wasn't me. I knew from Rotherham, like I said, even the desire from Wednesday I had, I've always got this fire burning in my stomach. Like, I'm always going to be in and around. And I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it because I've got that fire, that fire inside me. You've got to believe in yourself. You've got to have that internal belief. And, yeah, when I got released from Rotherham, it's, it's just another setback. And because I had the one at Wednesday that hurt me so much, the one at Rotherham, I was just like, it's another stumble, but just keep on moving forward with it. Yeah. But it's good that you've got the right attitude for it. I suppose these things, um, because I've spoken to a few uh, players that are now coaches of like under 18s or under 23s, and they're yeah. talking about how for them it's more than just being a coach nowadays. They're kind of mentors and they've got to learn to kind of let people down, uh, you know, release people. It's kind of a bit of a rubbish job for them and uh, a tough yeah, job yeah. for them. But, but for you guys, 
you know, you, you get a lot of setbacks, don't you? And yeah, you yeah. Have, you have to get you to turning that into a positive, don't you, in some way? Yeah, it was fo football's life, like, to the young lads as well. Football's life. That's why you see so many of them. When they stop doing football, they don't know what to do with themselves because it's just life and it's all we've known growing up. Because, like I said, academies are so serious now, like, this is all we do. And maybe it's back in the day, you probably had a job while you were doing your football as well. But now football's our job. Even from 16 to 18, that's, it's still a job. Do you know what I mean? So you've, you've got to like, you've got to be all in. If you're not all in, you're not going to make it. So yeah. then when you do get let down, it hits you a lot. So, so how did the whole Chesterfield thing come about then? Because it had been the summer of 2019, wasn't it? Yeah, so when I left Rotherham, there were 23, under 23 teams like that were wanting to take me. And Chesterfield were the, were the first team that wanted to take me. So it was like, a, right, I can go to 23s and just play football for two years, like artificial footballing type of way, just like, and then get let go. Or I can go to a first team and maybe take my chance, get on big stage and then benefit myself even more. So I was like... First team football, I just couldn't turn it down. And we not being that far from my house as well and quite local, it, I, I had that a little bit of affiliation to it. I know Chester was a massive club. Like, the non-league thing didn't pull any wool all over my eyes. I know I knew they were in playoffs three, four years ago in, in League One. Hmm. And I was just like, I cannot turn that down. And how did it all work then? Was it like trial or, or did they just... No, no. So when I left Rotherham, I, I signed for Chester because... When we're under 18s, we play against Chesterfield anyway. So Chesterfield would have seen me in them games. And then that's when I signed for Chesterfield. We're just another club that came in for me. And that's how I signed, ended up signing for Chesterfield. Yeah. So what, what were your first impressions then? Because obviously this is when John Sheridan's manager, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. First um, impressions of kind of him and the, the people around at that time. Yeah, I, I, obviously I call John Sheridan gaffer, but just so everyone understands in this, I call him John. Like, when John came back, the stature of, of him and stuff and what he'd done and stuff, it's a bit like intimidating in a way. You're like, wow, he's he's achieved what he's done in football and stuff like that. So it's a bit like, a bit scary at first, but once you get to know him, such an honest person, like such a great, good, honest person. And like, if you went into his office to ask him something, you'd come out knowing the answer. You won't, there won't be no like, him telling you things to please or anything like that. Like what he told you were right and he's honest with you. And like the training sessions and stuff, I love the training sessions, so technical and so enjoying. And you can tell that's how he played as a player, his sessions and stuff, because it was so technical, shooting, passing and stuff like that. There were such good sessions. And it would it were a shame it went like it did with under under John, because really enjoyed it. Enjoyed it when he were in. Yeah, and I suppose with him being a, a big Wednesday player, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> that, that on to it him, him being one of my dad's idols as well. He just as an extra thing, you're just like, whoa, it's like mental. But when I first came in, I remember the first week we did, we were doing like five sides and stuff like that. And I just like adapting to the tempo of a first team and stuff like that. I was just like, oh my God. I had Joseph Yarny literally going straight through back of me, pushing me off ball and stuff. And I was like, wow, I'm in, I'm in business here. I like, I, so that's when I had to like, do an hour extra, do half an hour there, do half an hour running, get in gym. And I realised that this is a proper job. Like, it's not like some people see football as just running around, kicking the ball. There's more to it. I'll be in gym, eating right. And I realised that's what I like. We're a massive driver as well. Like, I had to be the complete package to even stand with everyone in training. Mm. Uh, were you like having ice baths? 
I've had yeah. a few aches and pains those first few weeks. That first day, I couldn't believe it. Like, when Yanni were marking me, and it, honestly, were beasting me in the session, I was like, wow. Like, and that's when I had to think, right, I've got to get half a yard off him. I've got to think before I touch it, where am I taking my touch? I've got to get my body in front of him. And that's where you can see where Prem players are where they are and why some players are down here. Because they're just that, that thinking is just a second in front of what everyone else's is. Yeah. Which, which players around that, that time when you first came to the club were the ones that you listened to most? Who had the best advice? Do you know what? There's, there's been some unbelievable people at Chesterfield that I've played with. Unbelievable. Like Sam Wedgbury were like a, a second dad to me at times at Chesterfield. Like it was so good with me. He went out of his way to help me out. Um, and there was like Curtis Weston, who's a leader by example. So you watch Curtis Weston and just the, the work he put. He's at gym. He's in the gym at where we're in for nine o'clock. He's in the gym at half seven every morning, like putting it in, doing the extras. And that's as a young pro, you're looking at him and you're thinking, right, that's where I need to be at. So, and do a, do a load. And I know he doesn't sit well with some Chesterfield fans, but Anthony Gerrard, like an absolute winner, even in training, wants to win every, could do a little passing drill, he wants to win it. He wants to win everything. And I thought he were brilliant. Um, th- th- there's so many. It's hard to think off the top of your head. There were so many players. Buchanan, like amount of games he's played, the advice he gave me, put his arm around me all the time. Them players helped me no end. No end. I mean, around that time, there was some... I mean, it obviously, like, off, off the field, it was all kind of going off. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, we had like the, the um, when the Gerard incident happened, which was yeah. quite funny at the time, but but not the way it turned out for him, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, was that a bit eye-opening? <laughs> yeah, yeah, massively. Like when you see stuff like that as a young pro, it's almost good to experience that as well because you can learn from his mistakes. And and I think that's why we get when he speaks to me. He said, like, you you've got to take that in and, and embrace that. And you're like, wow, I don't want to get my sending. So it's, it's so easy to fall into that situation. And seeing seeing him do that, I was a bit shocked as well. Because I was like, how I saw him in training and stuff like that. I didn't think he'd ever think, but like everyone makes mistakes. You know what I mean? And yeah, to, to see that, it's like, wow, this it's an eye-opener. Because you're, you're in the mix of it now. Like You're not watching it from social media. You're in the mix of it. So you're like, whoa, this is crazy. <laughs> I suppose we should have a chat about what kind of player you are because we've, yeah. we've we've seen glimpses of you, obviously. But but what yeah. how would you kind of describe yourself? Literally, I'm such a forward-thinking player. I will get the ball and I want to take people on. I want to shoot. I want to cross. I want to score goals. I, I just want to get on the ball and excite fans. I, I like when I come on against Arrogate, I just want to get the fans out of the chairs. Like just get on and give them some belief. Like just. Even if I try and take someone on and don't, it don't work. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again because eventually I'm going to take him on. And I love to link, link, play, little slide passes and everything. And I'm a bit of a warrior. I, lo- I love tackling. I love pressing. Um, and yeah, I love working hard and, and tracking back and stuff like that. But my main attribute is getting at players and running at them. Yeah. So you're kind of right-sided, aren't you? Do you prefer to yeah. be a bit, bit further up the pitch or, or do you like um, to be deep? I- any, anywhere on that right side, I, I can occupy. Like That's not a problem. I like fullback because I can get it and I've got the game in front of me and I can travel and stuff. Whereas on wing, you're more like trying to make a run in behind to receive the ball behind the defenders where I think if I've got the ball and I can do stuff with it, I've, I can, I've got all pitch in front of me. Um, 
but yeah, like anywhere along that right side is I can occupy really. Yeah. It's nice to have a player that uh, it's nice when you have players that actually want the football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love being on the ball. I think that was what we're all at Chesterfield at times because we didn't really play that style of play. Like like we had the five back under James Rowe, five back under Pembo. I think Ches played the five back at times. Sometimes switched to other things, but we never really had a really wide players that were running and crossing and stuff like that. So I had to really adapt my game as well to to make myself more into a wing back. Yeah, and um, and then yeah, you had a you had a little loan spell, didn't you, at Sheffield FC? Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, yeah. When was that like November time? Was it October? No, yeah, that was November about twenty nineteen. So I would I was desperate to play for Chesterfield. I just wanted to play football. And I got about two three months into Chesterfield, and like, obviously things were going wrong as well. So it's hard to rely on young players for 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 Ches, like to put me in when the team's struggling like it was. It's hard for him, and he don't might maybe didn't want to put me in that position. So I was just desperate to f- play football. I was trying every week to get into the team. I'd see team sheet come up, I'd be gutted. I'd be like, so I, I'm a player that loves to go in and see manager to get his idea of what what's going off. I know it's for some players, it's a bit daunting for young players, but I like to go in and just speak to him. So I just went in and I just said, look, Gaffer, if I'm not going to be playing, am I all right to go and get some games on loan? And he said, yeah, definitely. And he said, I think it'll benefit me more. And if I do well, I'll be watching. If, if you do well, you come and you come straight in. Um, and that's how, that's how Chef FC came about, really. Yeah. Was it good fun down there? Yeah. Loved it. Uh, got Getting kicked about, like, men just, like, pulling my hair. I remember someone pulling my hair in box and I was like, what is going on? Kicking me at every chance and stuff. I, I proper embraced Sheffield. It was it was it was a good move for me because it made me more into a man. Like playing for points. Like there's there's someone's job online here when I'm playing. Like I've got a I, there's no you've got a big responsibility. You've you've got to be know know what you're doing when you're going on that pitch because there's there's jobs on the line. People are getting paid here to, to play in this, and I'd not experienced that at Chesterfield, so that was my first real experience here at Sheffield. So then uh, Pemberton comes in, doesn't he? Um, yeah. Who seems like, I've, I've never spoken to him, I've never met him, but he just seems like a really decent bloke. What, what's, what's he like? Loved him. Absolutely loved him. Like, I can't speak highly enough of Pemberton. I knew from the first day when he come in, we had the same like mindset. Like, I'm a bit of a warrior. Like I love winning. In training, I love winning. Anything, I love winning. And I like run till death. And Pembo just captivated me straight away. Like he got he had me in training. Like I I did anything for Pembo. I did all my extras for Pembo. Like Pembo just he, he even took time to do have phone calls with me about my own life, my mental well-being. Like he proper he proper looked after me and cared for me. And when I went on that pitch against Arrogate, I like I wanted to, I'd have come off that pitch, I'd have done anything for Pembo. Like, that's how he captivated me as a player and I, I just loved playing under him. Loved it. And he seemed to have a real focus for kind of younger players, didn't he? He gave, yeah. he gave a lot yeah. of people chances, didn't he? Yeah, he, he had no fear like myself. Like he, he knew that if he saw something in you and he can trust you, he will put you in. He's not scared. He's not afraid of putting someone in. And you saw that at the start of the year with, with Shams and Ross. And I feel like them two really took the chance at times as well. 
he really gives players a go. If you give him a, a reason for him to trust you, he'll trust you. Don't matter how old you are. And I think that was a good thing about Pembo. He's not bothered about what fans think or anything like that. He'll give you a go if he, if he thinks it's right for the club, for the team. He'll do it. And what, and what was his training like? How did it differ from under Sheridan? Uh, Shez were more technical. Like I'd say Shez's Shez, sessions were very technical and stuff. And, and under Pembo, it was more like grueling. Like, and that's what we had to be at time because we were signed bottom three and we needed to get out of it. So don't get me wrong, Pembo liked to do technical sessions and pass it about, but you knew how to win it. You knew how to edit, like tackle, press. And we worked as a real unit. Which I didn't think we did well under um, under Shez, under Pembo. Pembo got us together as a unit, more organised, and made us harder to beat. Teams found it hard to beat us. Um, and as you saw against Arrogate as well, we could play as well. Like we took games to Arrogate, we were past like that. Like we were, we were starting to match teams once he got his, his own tech on it. At first, he was just trying to get us to be more solid and more resolute. And then once he got us, we started to play as football. And I think maybe he's not. Season not cutting, you could have seen us near, near mid table. Yeah, and and yeah. So as he came in, and then as as time went on, you kind of started to get closer, didn't you, to the yeah the team? I could. Cut. You were on the bench for I think a couple of times before yeah. before coming on. So I mean, did you get an inkling that it was kind of getting a bit closer? I could feel it coming. Yeah, I could proper feel it coming, and that taste of it. And then when it won't come on a game, it just it just ah oh, like I was just so like ready to go. And in training, I was like smashing, I was like smashing players, like proper buzzing off it. And I was ready to go. And then when I got finally got my chance, I just I never forget that day ever. Never forget that day. And just I was just preparing myself. Like you can't be like too giddy or all like that. You've got to be still switched on and stuff. And I, but I could feel it coming and so I had to stay composed. And then when it finally came, wow, what a feeling. Yeah. And and when you're like on the bench, because obviously you had a couple of appearances. Uh, yeah. a couple of times you were on the bench before making an appearance like yeah. are you tempted throughout the matches are you like um, are you like warming up and kind of giving a bit of a nod a nod yeah to, like, ready, but, ready. <laughs> yeah yeah I remember Bodes, uh, Scott Borden sat next to me and he's like tapping me like go and warm up go and run in front of him and warm up and stuff like that like just trying to give me little tips and stuff like that and I remember Bodes, like I missed Bodes out early Bodes were a massive influence like, like on the bench and stuff like putting his arm around me when you come on just do your thing, what you do in training, don't take, uh, just take your risks and stuff like that. Just believe in yourself, don't be afraid. Or uh, Boards were a massive help on the bench as well. It was good to have like such an experienced player alongside me. Yeah. And then, so debut was what, 3rd of March? I think it was. 3rd of March 2020, yeah. yeah. Never forget that. So, so, uh, so when you get the word to go on, what's, yeah. what is it? Butterflies, excitement? Yeah. Butterflies, like deep breaths. Uh, massive deep breaths uh, and I, I don't know if you were aware Neil Cluxton was assistant manager at the time and he was a massive helper for me getting in the team as well because he'd sit and do extras with me after training and that and he put his arm around me and give me some words of comfort and stuff which made me feel real at ease and then when you stand up and you look at the ground and the fans in the ground and you're just like wow like and then you've got to get you've got to switch on so you got to get get out of that get out of that mindset and just switch on and be fully tunnel vision. And I remember Pembo putting his arm around me, like wishing me well, and me turning round to I can't remember whether I was itching my shoulders when I turn around, and I just see my mum and dad just like looking up as I look up, and it was just like a 
it was like an out of body experience. It was like, wow, like this is it now. Like, and then as I came on, Pembo said to me, like, come on, get us going now. And I knew when I was going on that pitch, I was like, I'm going to get him a goal because that's how I felt. I'm, like, I'm going to get him a goal. And and the first touch when I t- I think I I think I drove with it and slid in Curtis Weston, I think for my first touch and the, the like the roar from the fans it was just like oh my and I like get me that ball I want to take everyone on I want to take everyone on and shoot with the score and loads of things happened in that game where I was just like um, and I remember the goal and I was running across the arrogant fans with my arms like. <laughs> the goal and then they went down over ending score and I was just heartbroken I just couldn't believe it I and it was like this is football the emotion the ups and downs I was like, like I went my highest high two minutes ago and they just scored and now I'm at a low again and it was just like that adrenaline with Russ were just crazy he goes back to Ryan Fallowfield he plays it to John Stead great challenge though by Will Evans got the ball Nothing else. Hutchinson plays it through nicely to Weston. Trying to get away from Hall, who's going to have to come out to close it down. But Weston's cross goes all the way out of play for a corner kick. To Buchanan. Takes under control. Well, good ball to the back post. We'll go all the way through to Hutchinson. A chance, though, to maybe put it back in. He's going to take on Burrell. He'll put it in. Cross is still up to the back post. Denton has it down. Burrell it in. 3-3. What a way to end the drought! Scott Bonin, his first goal in 11 games. And he's done it from the bench. Chesterfield, respond for the second time. I thought he did, that's why I've had him. I thought that's why I've brought him into the squad. He does that in training. He's a little live wire. He has a lot of energy. He walks in every morning with a smile on his face. So he's nice, you know, I enjoy seeing him. Um, and when he trains, he trains hard. And I thought he did brilliant for the goal. You know, so you can see why we why we've done what you know we've done what we've done with him. Just fine. Yeah, nice nice little bit of work from you. Yeah, that's what I mean. I just want, like I said, when I get the ball, I just want to take players on. And as soon as I got a chance to get someone one v one, just drop the shoulder and like we worked on it in training. If you're dinking the ball, get it in the air for big dents because he's gonna win it every time. So that was my idea. Get down, dink it in the air, and it worked perfectly. Perfectly. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever beaten uh, Tom Denton in the air for a header in training? Honestly, honestly, I, we were working on diags in training once, and it was on me. So I was playing right fullback, and they was trying to get him to win the flick on. Oh my god! I went up for him. I got a taste of his elbow. I got a taste of everything. He absolutely battered me in air. Absolutely battered me. And I, I like to think I can jump, but. It's not you're not just jumping up with him, you're getting a fistful of everything when you're going up with Dents. That is so strong. So strong. Not many people that, that do what he does, is there in that league? No. no, and his touch as well for a, like when I first come in, his touch, everything. He's such such a good like player, and you don't realise how useful he is until you see obviously see him on pitch and, and banging goals in. Yeah. And and then so you did have another kind of mini cameo, I suppose. It was like right near the end of the match yeah. one one draw wasn't it was that Dover I think yeah well what happened was I met my day obviously I met my day against Harry which was on the Tuesday and then on the Wednesday I come down with the biggest illness ever like being sick and everything so I had to miss the game I can't remember if it was travelling to East Lee on the Saturday I think it was East Lee I might have missed or Bromley and I missed that game through sickness and 
I were absolutely good because obviously I were raring to go after. I'd just played on Tuesday. And it, it was when COVID were about. So I didn't know if it were COVID at the time. But obviously, we didn't know of it in, in, in England. So I, um, I missed that game on the Saturday, which I was good about. Then the following week, Yeovil got called off for, for bad weather. So I was like, I just want to get back on pitch. And then we got to Dover, yeah, uh, which, was, which was his last game. And obviously, because how the game were going, we were 1-0 up. It was hard to get me on with, with my style of play because obviously I'm more attacking and I'm getting at players. So maybe he just wanted to keep it resolute and strong at bat. So it was hard to put me on. Uh, but they equalised. I got the last minute or so, which you can't really do in a minute or so. And then that was that was my last appearance for Chesterfield. Yeah, and then like so that was like the 14th of March. So I, yeah. I remember at my workplace it was the 23rd of March yeah. and nine days later we got sent home um, yeah. I mean that must have just been gutting for you especially because you just you just yeah. getting it to that point horrible I just felt I just felt as I would get that I was getting going and I felt like it was my time I really did and then that that season curtailed like I still when we we got told we had to have a break but I was still running every day because I was like we're going to go back in at some point like surely we didn't go back into like four or five months later. And that for me, it was just like, uh, I have to get myself back up and going again because I've got to go through all pre-season again, get myself back into the team. We're going to sign more players in the summer. There's going to be extra competition. So all that's going off in your head as well as the footballer. So you're like, it, yeah, like you said, it was just it was just so gutting that I didn't get to, to, to get more games. Yeah. Was there a lot of... Um... Was there any um, kind of working together with other players through Zoom or stuff like that at the time, or was it all just on your own doing stuff? Yeah, yeah, we had we had Zoom calls with Kurt because Kurt's a proper fitness fanatic, like he knows everything. So we did Zoom calls with Kurt, uh, keeping in touch with each other and that, which were nice. So we didn't lose that like team spirit or whatnot. And at this point, like I said, we didn't know if we were, if we were going back in or not till like another two months down the line. So we were staying in touch with each other and that. Uh, running every day and yeah just trying to keep that team army together yeah and then that that next season so it obviously started a bit late because of everything yeah. that was happening and then it didn't kind of go to plan did it to start off with so so what happened I came back in pre-season fittest I've ever come back ever and I was smashing pre-season and I got an hamstring injury and I missed the two the first two or three pre-season games and I played the last, I got 15 minutes against Alphabet. And I think that really, that didn't help me at all because I didn't get no pre-season games. Pembo didn't get to see me. He'd set up his team, what he, what he liked and what he had. Pembo didn't really get to see me and that it didn't really help at all. And there's no excuses. Like, you can come back from an injury. But that really set, set it off in a bad way for me for that, uh, that season, uh, which didn't help. And then obviously we went down the, the way of getting bad result after bad result, which were which far to take. Yeah. And um and it was kind of a really honourable thing of him in the end, because we've had plenty of we've had plenty of managers over the years that have probably waited to get sacked because they know they'll get a bit of a payoff yeah. instead. But he didn't yeah. go down that route, did he? He no. kind of walked away from yeah. it. So I was so gutted when Pembo went, like, because of what he meant to me. He meant so much to me, Pembo, and like I really saw him as someone who helped me a lot out in football, and I was still, I was still like in training stuff. 
I was still in contention with him. It wasn't like uh, I was way out of it. I was still in contention. I just couldn't get into it. But it was coming. It was still coming. And then for him to go, I was just like, good. Couldn't believe it. James Rowe comes in. The one thing he always talks a lot about is, is five subs rather than seven. Yeah. Especially for players like yourself, when, yeah. when managers probably want to put on someone a bit younger so that if they're, yeah. if they're up, they can they kind of yeah, check that, on, see how they do. Yeah, that's the thing with the National League, the five sub thing. And I know, I know James Rowe doesn't do it, um, but one goalkeeper's got to be on, which leaves four left. And it's hard, it's so hard for a young player to be considered in that because you need experience on bench, a player that can score goals. And it's hard when you've got such such a good calibre of talent in in um, Chesterfield team to get in. So hard. Yeah. And then, I mean, what's it like when you've, what, a, a year and a half, you've just had a break because of COVID and now you're on your third manager? Yeah. It must be, it, you must have had points where you're just like, oh, come on, I'm yeah. like, your break, I've got to start again. Yeah, it's so frustrating, uh, like because you just get to to learn to play under a new manager, and I, this is all new to me as well. Like I'm learning how to play under a certain manager, and then a new one comes in with new ideas and new philosophies, and you're like, "All right, I've got to try again." But it gives it. it there's more in your arsenal then. Like now, I'm coming away with with three managers' ideas and tactics, and I've got all that to to go forward. I mean, three top managers, top top managers, and when James Rowe came in. I loved his style of play. His training was the most I've enjoyed my training ever. Just attacking, like he he wanted me to run at everyone, like just run at everyone and stuff. And he like give me how he wanted to play. I shooting me down to the tee, like how he how attacking he was and stuff, and running about, just absolutely working hard, grinding teams down. That's how I love to play. So when he come in, I was obviously I was good and I had the hangover from. Uh, Pembroke going but then when he came in with this idea I was like wow I love his sessions and I love the way he thinks about football and stuff and he's and yeah I, lo- I actually really enjoyed uh, training under under the under the gaffer so what's so what's his style like in training is it like a bit of a mix of the Sheridan technical and the yeah work ethic? yeah so intense as well I love it like how intense it is like you work so hard, you have to track back, you have to tackle. But then when you get it, you compose and you move the ball. And to, to do that, like I remember the first session we did like a little uh, run, we did like a little passing drill. And I just ran and won the ball back and booted it off the pitch because that's just how, what I knew. And he was like, no, when you win it back, you turn out and you play. So when I was like, wow. So then when I was starting to win it, I was playing with it as well instead of just kicking ball out of place so or keeping possession as well as running and tackling. And he, he had a saying called tackle pass. Like, you won't just tackle. You tackle with intention of keeping the ball. So, like, the way he thought about the game and stuff and how he is such a, like I said, he's a young manager and the modern way he thinks about the game, I think he's really good and I think he's a top coach. Yeah. And, and he uses a lot of the, a, a lot of stats as well, doesn't he? Yeah. It was the fundraising from the fans to get, yeah. to get on equipment and stuff. So, yeah. are they quite, um, uh, are they quite conversational with you then in terms of what you've been reaching in terms yeah. of training and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, vital. Like you've got, we've got to be in like top stats in training and stuff. Because if, if we're not hitting top stats in the training, there's no way we're going to win the match. So we were always on top of that. How fast we're running, how far we're running, the intensity we're running at. Yeah, 
the the gaff was was nailed on with that. And, and what about what about away from the ground, away from training? Do they do they monitor anything at home, like sleep or diet or anything like that? Diet, diet. Uh, I feel like not really, but as a professional, you've got to take account for yourself in that way. Like you've got to do that right. If you're not eating right, sleeping right. There's no, especially when you're going in playing with Chesterfield and teams like that, there's no way you're going to make it. You'll just fall by wayside. Yeah. And but no, not, not as much on, not as much away from football, but there were sports scientists who told us what to eat, uh, the right amount of sleep and stuff like that, but you should really know that anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, I, there was then a lot of players that came in, weren't there? Yeah. <laughs> so there was a massive, massive turnover of, of people coming in. Like, um, who were you most impressed with that, that he signed? Who were the players that, uh, when you met them on the training pitch, you were like, oh, yeah, they're all right? Honestly, the, quality, the quality of players he signed. Martin Smith, I know you haven't seen much of him, but what a player. What a great technical player. Like, playing with him in training and stuff, you're like, I'm playing with some players now. Like, unbelievable, one touch, doing things that you're not even seeing. Trying to defend him and stuff, you're like, wow, like how he does things. Jack McCourt, another great player. Tom Whelan, I mean, I'm naming half of them that he signed. Every player, like every player he brought in, he's brought him in for a reason. George, George Carlin was a similar position to me. Watching how he defended and stuff, it was just like, wow, like how good he was. Does he practice his long throws in training or is it just a... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On a day before a match day, we work on at least three or four of them long throws, yeah. <laughs> So I was going to actually ask who you thought the underrated players were. So is it kind of Martin well, Smith? He was underrated, but he's not as underrated now because everyone loves him since playoffs and stuff. But Liam Mandeville, like, I know he didn't play much for the last, I don't know, 18 months and he's started to really, to really stride out now. But yeah, Liam Mandeville, like, wow, what a player. Both feet, like, he can't, he's like a Jackie, Jack Grealish type in training. Like, you cannot get the ball off him and his shots and stuff like that. Uh, Joe Rowley, another great technical player, uh, good to play with. And uh, trying to think now, but Liam Mandeville and Joe Rowley are the two where I'd say very underrated, very underrated for me. I mean, uh, I'm kind of getting you to speak on their behalf, I suppose, but do players in those kind of positions in attacking midfield get a bit of, a bit of unfair flack sometimes? Because sometimes fans... Fans want them to do what they're not naturally meant to be doing. Like they want them to be tackling, or they want them to be running fifty yards back yeah. to win the ball, or something like that. Yeah, especially under the gaffer at the minute, that position's so hard to play because you've got to do everything. You've got to have eyes in back of your head. You've got to be switched on all the time. So I think it sometimes, like like Mandeville, does it gets a bit of unfair flack because it's so tiresome in there that when you sometimes get on the ball. You need a breather as well, so you need to try and keep it. You can't just t- turn up, turn around and go and run 50 yards with a ball and try and have a shot or pass. It is hard in that position because there's a lot of things to be doing and a lot of things to be aware of. It's mentally draining as well as it is physically. Yeah. Um, and what were all those COVID breaks like? Because it was like, what, two or two or three, I think? Horrible. Horrible. You're just getting back into your stride. I think we had three. Just getting back into a stride and then another COVID break and you're like wow you have to go home and do your road running and stuff like that again and working inside in fact we had to work inside for the first two because we were in and around it so we were isolating ourselves and in fact I ate my Christmas dinner in my own bed 
quite anyway, which were mental. But yeah, like the doing the Zoom calls and stuff like that, like it's nice to keep the squad together, but you just want to be in training. And while other teams are playing around you, you feel like you're really missing out. Yeah, and those those breaks probably didn't help you as well, did they? Because then when you get into a situation where you're Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday for months, yeah. it's kind of going to rely on a, a core. It's so hard to, the time, it's also hard to get into the team. It's like, so you're there playing Tuesday, Saturday, so the sessions that we're doing are preparing for the matches. So you're Friday and Monday, you're preparing, you're preparing for the matches. So that gives you, and the day off, so Wednesday, so that gives you Thursday to get into the team. And it's, it's hard, especially with the quality you brought in. So hard. Yeah. So, so how, how, how was James Rowe to you then, just, just throughout this, this last year? Well, he kind of given you, given you bits, that, uh, bits to improve on and, and stuff very like that? Good. I think we had a good relationship. I really think he got on with me, J, uh, the gaffer. And, like, I, I went into his room th- three or four times to have conversations with him. I, I think, <clears throat> sorry, I think he appreciated me. And he really did like try and help me and work with me and stuff. And he involved me in sessions all the time with the players and stuff. Like he never left me out or anything like that. He always involved me. Always, he, I were all, he were all, his door was always open for me to come and see him. And I did, I did like two or three times, and I, and I, I enjoyed, I loved it under him. Yeah, and I, and I suppose obviously the levels below Chesterfield were all cancelled, weren't they? So that, weren't really that, any options for you to go out and impress yeah. Elton, no other. Yeah, that was the gaffer's point as well to me. Like sometimes when I was getting a bit frustrated and I went in and said, I said to him multiple times, I said, I can't argue with you because you're winning, you're winning every week. Like I can't say put me in the team when you're winning every week. But I just want you to know that I'm ready and I want to play. And he, he said, like, I want to, I'd love to put you on loan. I'd love to give you a chance. But it's, like I just said, it's hard. You can't do it. And with the, with the league shut down, I couldn't, I couldn't go on loan. So that's what made it 10 times harder. Yeah, and and what's that? Um, and what was that season season like? Because obviously momentum kept gathering, didn't it? And the yeah. and I suppose you had you seen a different relationship with the fans from when yeah. you first joined yeah. the club to when you left. Yeah, I remember being sat in sat in the stands under Shez and the abuse with the players were getting. I was like, God, I'm like, wow, this is this means so much to him. And then to see Chesterfield start doing well and the fans being able to get behind the team is so nice to see. Because they deserve you can understand why why they're frustrated and stuff, because they deserve deserve so much more. Yeah. It's it still must be tough though if you if you're players yeah. and you're getting that much abuse yeah, yeah. sometimes. I mean, does that get talked about in training sometimes? Uh, yeah, like like you'll hear certain things like certain comments that are quite funny at times and you think wow like, I mean I remember once someone saying I want to shoot him with a shotgun or something and I was like Jesus like, wow and then you'd bring that up in training and stuff to the lads and stuff like say she wanted to shoot you with a shotgun over a week and stuff like that and you're like it's, it's crazy yeah. but uh, yeah that's just, that's just how passionate fans are though and you've got to understand that as well and the players do understand it like I'd rather a fan say it out loud than, than be typing on social media saying it and, and so we kind of get to that point near the end of the season. So managed to get the playoffs, which was, yeah. which was great. Was was the squad quite quite optimistic going into that playoffs? Yeah, definitely, definitely. We all the, going all the way, and I think even through Christmas and leading up to it, we wanted to go up. Like that's our 
that's that was just the mentality. Like we're going, like I remember George Foster saying we was in the bottom, might have just got out of the bottom three under the gaffer. And it was like, I'm not even focusing about what's below us. We focus about what's above us because there were a couple of teams close to us. Like we just focus about what we're catching. We don't focus about what's below us. And that was the mentality. We didn't even think about losing. It was just all about winning. Yeah. And and, and yeah, we should mention the George Foster and the new uh the new coach as well that came in. Can't remember his name. But yeah. what, what what were they like? Good. Good. I didn't get to know the new coach as much, but with George Foster, yeah, like a proper tough footballer, proper old school in his way. And it's good because you had George Foster who's old school and you had uh, the gaffer who had these new ideas and new creative ideas and bonding them together. We're just, per- we're just, it was just a perfect concoction really. Cause and like George Foster with his set pieces and that were really setting his ways on the set pieces and his, and his defensive unit, he really sorted that and made us really strong at the back. Yeah. So, so then, obviously, we get to the end of the season, and you were one of the players, of which there were loads that were that were released at the end of this season. So, I mean, how does that conversation go? Did you get called in, or yeah, but yeah, I spoke to the gaffer, uh, and it was just what it was. Like he he just said, he's, we're looking for new ideas and things. We're looking to go forward with the club, and that. And I appreciate that. And the stuff that he's doing, you can't argue with him. You can say your piece. I've loved my time at Chesterfield. Absolutely loved it. I've most I've ever enjoyed my football ever. Um, and yeah, he's, the, the, the gaffer's just honest with you and just tells you what he what he thinks really. Yeah. And you res- really respect it. I'd I'd rather a manager be be honest with me and come out and tell me that because I have so much respect for it. Yeah. You seem incredibly mature and well balanced for a nineteen-year-old. I like looking back to myself when I was your age. I was like, just getting. I was just starting to apply for university and stuff like that. I can't imagine. I can't imagine I'd have been mature enough to be in a, a first-team squad at that age. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? What have you? What have you? How has those these two years kind of matured you just as a person? Uh, massively, massively. Like, you just you just realise how hard life like you're in the real world essentially and like you're coming in every day and you've got to give 110% you've got players I mean we have players like Robbie Weir they're on it every day you drop below that standard and they're on you so to you've got it you've just you've got to take your you've got to take your mind to a different place you've got to be so internally strong like ex- everything that's going off around you you've got to ignore You've got to ignore the external and just stay internally strong and, and keep your head and stuff. And you, you have the conversations with all the players. You, you hear their stories and things. And you hear, the, you hear them stories and you think, wow, you're learning from mistakes. You're learning what to do, what not to do. And you just think, wow, you take a great deal in because these players have been to playoff finals, they've had promotions. And you, you, can't, you can't be in a better place. Mm. What's your plan and what are you up to now? So is it just a case of keeping fit, watching the Euros at the moment. Yeah, loving the Euros at the minute, loving the Euros. This is why my voice is like this, because of England. I don't usually sound like this. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, loving the Euros, working hard. I, I get up, because it's so hard, minute, isn't it? So I'm up at seven for, for a run every morning, because if I go out at night, I'll melt. Like, it's so hot. So I'm up at seven, keeping my running going, staying in the gym, 
Um, and then yeah, just just keep keeping ticking over really. And then we've got a few clubs lined up uh, for next year, so I'm just trying to keep myself fit, ticking over, and then eventually I'll hopefully find a club in the summer. Yes. So how do, how does this process work now for you? You've obviously been in it for for a while. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. Have, have you kind of had any at the moment? Is it just kind of people that are a little bit interested, or is that you actually? I've got I've got offers, concrete offers, and then I've got some clubs wanting to take me on a trial. Um, the bigger clubs want to take you on a trial. The smaller clubs will offer you some concrete to try and get you lure you away. Um, it's just about taking that risk now. You've got to think if I go on that trial and it don't work out, maybe I might lose my spot at that other club. You might be two three weeks into the season and they tell you no, and then you're like, I'm on, I'm on my ass a little bit. You're like, oh god, what what am I going to do now? But they're the risks that you take in football. And this is why I've got an agent because he's here, there and everywhere sorting all this out for me. And I can just sit here and, and watch the Euros. Yeah. Do you, <laughs> kind of, do you kind of get a feeling then? I, I, I imagine because you've obviously been in a situation before where you've had a bit of a choice of, of clubs that you can go to. Yeah. You just get a feeling for the, for the right one. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely do. You get that. You get that aura. And sometimes it might take you to to go up and see the facilities and stuff like that and look around it. And you know, you know straight away. You're like, yeah, this is a place I want to be. This is a place I want to be. And as you get older, that might change. Like you might try and think more for your family or stuff like that. But obviously I have not got, and I have no intentions of getting a family anytime soon. <laughs> so <laughs> if, at my age, you just want to play at the highest level and you want to, yeah, just get a good feel for a club where you're going to enjoy yourself. Yeah. Great. Well, it's it's good to hear that you've uh, you've uh, potentially got something lined up. So it'll be yeah. nice to see where you where you get to next. This yeah, yeah. Is usually the point where I ask for like your highlight of Chesterfield career, but I'm guessing it's probably Harrogate, is it? Yeah, you'll, it'll take a lot to be Harrogate. It'll take a lot to be Harrogate. And signing for the club as well. We've been such a big club. Signing for the club were nice. Reaching the playoffs were nice. But yeah, the debut is just something that that I'll never top at Chesterfield. And I'd love to come back to Chesterfield one day. Love to. 